0: mind and consciousness aren't something we have they're there from the get-go our universe we're now discovering is innately intelligent and its innate intelligence is meaningfully informed in a way through the laws of physics and through their relationships to enable it to not just to exist but to evolve from that first moment 13.8 billion years ago From its initial simplicity to ever greater levels of complexity and diversity.
1: Hello, and welcome to Planet Critical, the podcast for a world in crisis. My name is Rachel Donald. I'm a lecturer, a climate corruption reporter, and your host. Every week I interview experts who are battling to save our planet. My guests are scientists, politicians, academics, journalists and activists. They explain the complexities of the energy, economic and political crises that we face today, revealing what's really going on and what they think needs to be done. This is a critical time for our planet. It demands critical thinking. Go to planetcritical.com to learn more and subscribe. My guest this week is Jude Caravan. Jude is a cosmologist, a planetary healer, futurist, author. She was previously one of the UK's leading senior businesswomen, and she also has a master's in physics and a PhD in archaeology. She's an extraordinary woman. And she joins me to discuss the story of Gaia, her latest book, which explains the nature of our reality. The universe, Jude says, is not just the physical appearance of the natural world, of space, of the planet, of the systems. She says the nature of reality is that the universe is consciousness. The universe is thought itself. And we are consciousness. We are thought itself. Rather than thinking of the Big Bang as the beginning of our universe. Think of it as the big thought that has been growing in complexity ever since. On this episode, Jude walks us through all of the evidence we have to suggest that this is true, from the latest Nobel Prize award in physics to thousands of years of indigenous wisdom. Jude then explains the necessity of a new worldview of unity and wholeness to help mitigate the crises that we are seeing, whether these are human crises or the climate crisis, and become the next stage in this evolution of universal consciousness. This is truly just an amazing episode. I tell a story about a quarter of the way through, which reveals why I am fully on board with this way of looking at the world. And since speaking with Jude, I've been thinking about how from the very beginning of this podcast, everyone I've spoken to, whether they be scientists or artists, economists, politicians, have spoken about the necessity of finding a new value set by which to live our lives that the values we have are causing this problem. The worldview that Jude explores with us today equally offers those similar values of unity, of wholeness, of compassion, of reciprocity, of inclusion. So whilst some of this language might seem alien to some listeners, try to hear through your own perspective to the intuitions and the wisdoms that are being explored. I hope you all enjoy the episode. If you do, please share it far and wide. If you're loving the show, support Planet Critical with a paid subscription at planetcritical.com or on Patreon. By signing up, you'll also get access to the weekly article I write inspired by each interview. Thank you to everyone who has signed up and is supporting the project. I'm a vehement believer in ad-free and open access content, so Planet Critical wouldn't exist without the direct support of the amazing community. Thank you so much to all of you who keep the project going every week. Jude, thank you so much for joining me on Planet Critical. I'm so thrilled to have you on the show and that we've got the tech working this time.
0: <laughs> and, and as we were saying before we came online, there was a good reason why it wasn't working the first time. So this is great. It's perfect. And thank you so much for the invite.
1: Oh, my pleasure. I cannot wait to speak with you. So could you give your sort of career background for people that may not have come across you? Because you're... I mean, your work sort of spans so many different fields. It really is quite extraordinary uh, how you tie it all together.
0: Yeah, well, it has been a scenic route, I have to say, <laughs> from the very earliest. I mean, I started this journey, my life journey, really as one of curiosity. When I was four years old, I had what I might call my first supernormal experience. and so we can perhaps go down that path at some point. But where I began to realize that the nature of reality was much more than it seemed to be, and mm. that really opened me to to curiosity. so if what was I experiencing, and how did it you know become the reality that we we, we know together so that that journey, um, I'm a cosmologist, and if you ask me what a cosmologist really is about,' it's, mm-hmm. it's a study of the whole universe, but in my case. It's beyond what we call the physical universe. It's the the sort of wider, grander, deeper nature of reality itself. Um, And that journey has meant that I've I've worked with wisdom keepers of many traditions, indigenous uh, teachings, ancient traditions uh, worldwide, as well as as the leading edge of science. And that's now Mm. all coming together. But along the way, I became an international businesswoman uh and one of the most senior business women in the UK by the mid-90s and then felt that I'd I'd done my time as it were in corporate yeah. life. So, yeah. so I moved on. Um I also researched ancient uh cosmologies and did a PhD in archaeology to do that. I'm an hmm. author of seven books. And in twenty seventeen I co-founded something called Whole World Hyphen View to really bring forward what is now becoming the leading edge discoveries um, of, of the nature of reality itself and to help people understand this new potential world-changing uh, view as well as experience it. And the experience is vital and embodying it, which of course is fundamental. So that's who I am. I'm a a, a social change agent. Transformational <laughs> activist, a uh, gardener, <laughs> fan, um, and all those other things mm-hmm. I just mentioned.
1: Oh, yeah. wonderful. Well, I cannot wait to get into all of this because it just seems so obvious now that we are sort of anthropogenically, oh gosh, I'm sure that's not a word, human beings are driving the climate crisis because of a fundamental lack of understanding of the nature of reality. We seem to have sort of superimposed our human systems onto universal systems and earth systems. And the human systems have become so opaque. It's like we can't see the effect that we're having. And also we fail to see all of the wonders that are hidden, uh, or actually not hidden at all, but right in front of us that the universe has to offer.
0: I love that. And and exactly so. I mean, our worldview, our collective worldview is one of materialism and separation. Really? And yeah. it, it doesn't even, it's not even based on, on 20th century science, you know, because the quantum physics and relativity physics gave us some really good clues as to the interconnectedness of, of our universe and the deeper realms of causality from which its appearance arises. But that was put to one side. Um, and and so science really for most of the 20th century and until now has followed the route of technology which is fantastic in the sense of what it's brought us but it's still been based on that prior worldview of materialism and separation so yeah you know, all our education systems our governance our organizations are all based on 19th century mm. worldview in science mm. Or mm. a mechanistic universe which is so not what we're, we're rediscovering now and so not what universal spiritual indigenous teachings have taught us for millennia. So now science, and again, thanks, thanks to the technologies, you know, they've really in some ways, um, enabled us to delve deeper and bigger and wider into this emerging new understanding of wholeness. An essential unity and diversity, and as you say, that's when we when we move our lens from seeing the world through a perspective or a lens of separation to seeing it through a lens of wholeness, everything changes.
1: Mm, absolutely. Could you talk us through? Um, the science of it now. What science is saying about a holism and a holistic view of the world and our connectedness before going into uh, what these indigenous wisdoms have known already and practiced for thousands of years. Um, I think it's important to take that route first because I'm sure you, like me, feel that there is a sense of coming home now in where sort of <laughs> our scientific technologies and where our practice is leading us. Um <laughs> So let's start. What, what scientifically are we seeing now?
0: Well, first of all, um, I'd mentioned something that happened a couple of months ago, late last year, late 2022. The Nobel Prize for Physics was given to three researchers who for many decades had been studying the, 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 the prediction of quantum physics and ever more experimentally that our entire universe is what's called non-locally unified. In other words, beyond the the signalling of uh, within space time of of the nature of reality itself. Now, this is really key because first of all, non-local universal non-locality was a a prediction of quantum physics, but it has to be so for the whole of quantum physics. So, in other words, all the energy and matter of our universe can only exist in the way they do if our entire universe is whole. Mm. And so because the Nobel Prize was given to experimental scientists who've been showing this for a long time, it's settled science because the Nobel is not for the faint-hearted. It takes decades and it Mm. has to be settled science. It's going to be awarded. So that's a, a key breakthrough. The second point is that from at all scales, of existence, literally from the most minute to the whole universe, we're realizing that its appearance actually emerges from deeper non-physical levels of causation. I've just mentioned it in terms of energy matter, but cosmologists who study the whole universe are realizing that's the case for space, what we call space and time too. Mm -hmm. So in other words, appearance of our universe is not its fundamental nature it's real but we need to go deeper and this is what science actually is very good at when it comes to when it comes to a point where experimentally and di- we're, we're discovering things that don't fit in to the old framing we have to find a new framing mm-hmm. and that happened in the 20th century but it's happening even more so now because we're realizing that the quantum physics of energy matter and the relativity physics of space time are not fundamental enough. And what we're finding instead is that the appearance is actually made up of meaningful information. In other words, from those deeper levels of causation underlying the appearance of our universe, are patterns and meaningful patterns of information. And that information, in its essence, is exactly the same as the digital information that we rely on for our communications technologies, the ones and the zeros. But our universe, actually, from that innate intelligence that Einstein called cosmic mind, that the indigenous people sometimes call great mystery, a great spirit, but from the infinite, eternal, ground zero of all reality are these comings together of meaningful information from which comes the appearance of our universe, not as an accident, but literally as a meaningfully existing and purposefully evolving entity where, as a result, mind and consciousness aren't something we have, They're not some sort of accidental evolutionary um, phenomenon. They're there from the get-go. Our universe we're now discovering is innately intelligent. And its innate intelligence is meaningfully informed in a way through the laws of physics and through their relationships to enable it to not just to exist but to evolve from that first moment, 13.8, billion years ago from its initial simplicity to ever greater levels of complexity and diversity but all as in essence a great thought rather than a great thing in other words that mind and consciousness mm. are what we have they're what we in the whole world are that turns everything of that materialistic you know separation perspective upside down and it heals it it heals our relationships literally with each other our planetary home with the whole world
1: mm. so the universe is conscious we are expression as individuals we are as expressions of that consciousness everything is conscious and the physical world is the visible layer of this underflying a meaningful intelligence that has been there from the get-go that has a relationship with the physical world that has allowed it to evolve into increasing complexity, I suppose my first question would be, what does meaningful information mean? What does that mean?
0: Well, you know, going back to what I was saying about our, our communications technologies, you know ones and zeros are 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 of themselves meaningless. But mm-hmm. when we're having our conversation now, my words and your words are being converted from the meaning we're making into long streams of ones and zeros. And those long mm-hmm. streams of ones and zeros essentially are the meaning of our conversation. Equally, the, the video we have is, is taking, um, you know, images of us as information, uh, and, 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 and again, translating it into ones and zeros. But those ones and zeros at your end and at my end are recombined into images and sounds of meaning. Now, our universe does it. Yeah, our, our meaning for us, our English language, for example, has 26 letters. Mm. The letters of themselves don't have meaning, A, B, C, D, E. But when we say, I love you, that has meaning. Mm. Our universe does, as simple as can be, but no simpler, have a universal alphabet of just two letters, those ones and zeros. But from it, the meaning that is embodied by atoms and molecules and planets and plants and people is made up. That is the innate meaning of our universe, where every aspect of its wholeness, from the most, the tiniest, which is is something called the Planck scale, that's like the pixelation, of our universe, just as our high-definition technologies have, you know, minute mm. pixelations to their images and and all the rest of it, the pixelation of the reality of our universe is at what's called this minute Planck scale, which is as small as to an atom, as the atom is to the whole universe.
1: And mm. from
0: that grounding, all of this incredible evolutionary arc from simplicity ever greater levels of complexity diversity interdependence understanding Mm -hmm. of individuated microcosms such as us Mm -hmm. of its co-creative capacity are formed Mm -hmm. and that is the innate meaning the meaning that's Mm -hmm. embodied in a star the meaning that's embodied in a leaf the meaning that's embodied through us in a poem a song a dance a story. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I wonder if now is the t- moment to tell my tale. Um, in fact, yes, I, I want to. I want to tell my tale. <laughs> and this is Go
0: quite off-brand for, off it. Brand Go for, for, for it. Planet
1: Critical, but I'm going to. Um, so recently, I list dear listeners. Recently, I did an ayahuasca trip. And I went on a retreat in the Black Forest in Germany. And the first night was the most extraordinary night of my life. And I'm so glad Jude, that we actually rescheduled this interview for after that experience, because I feel like I now have a very innate understanding of what you are saying in a way that I wouldn't have before, because in the first night I um, was... I recognized I was holding on. I was I was holding on to language. I was holding on to my sense of self. I was holding on to people that were dear to me. My thoughts were clouding the experience. And and this voice told me to let go. And um, you know, I argued with it for a time, but eventually went, right, okay, well, I suppose, yeah, okay, I guess I will then. Um, and I let go, whatever that means. And I then saw our planet as if from space. And I met these two women and one was facing me and one was facing away. And I said, are you, are you, are you Aya? Because people talk about meeting the plant and they shook their head and I went, are you, are you all plant? And they shook their head. They said, try again. And I went, are you you life? (laughs) And they said, yes, we are all life. And I went, oh my God, that, That is God. And they took me back to the beginning of time. And I saw the beginning of time when life came into being. And then they took me all the way to the end of time. And I was filled with this incredible sense of like of oneness. I said to my friend who I did it with, it was like I was sitting in the belly of the big O. And I was just this expression of life. And everything is this expression of life. And Almost as if we are one big tree. But the reason that we are not one big tree is so that we can be in relation with one another. And that is why we exist in the way that we do. And so, everything that you're saying, I mean, I called it life consciousness as well, you know, the spark of consciousness that feeds everything. It is all that. And all of these stories that you hear from people that have these sort of transcendental experiences, whether they're religious or spiritual, whether it's on a mountain near death, whether it's um, indigenous wisdom, whether it's now a Nobel Prize scientist, (laughs) um, it all speaks to the same thing. And I really, I, I, oh, I believe it now. And I feel like that experience, that understanding, that different way of looking at the world as one of a singular sort of great being, an expression of this, this oneness. It is a narrative that I think would be incredibly healing incredibly healing
0: i wholeheartedly agree and i love what you're saying about life because you know uh, i write about and this is the this is the the, the evidence that's giving us this so it's it's be, it's going beyond a belief in a way is that like this is mm. the best evidence we have and that our entire universe is living in that sense it's a living mm. conscious mm. meaningfully existing purposefully evolving thought form in the mind of the cosmos, in the infinite and eternal mind of the cosmos. Because when we understand that, as just, that is so profoundly healing. Because, we've, you know, this whole worldview of materialism and separation, we've essentially dismembered, as many indigenous teachers, have, you know, shared with us, yeah. we've dismembered our collective psyche, from that web of life that is far more mm. than biological organisms, but that mm-hmm. entire so we literally are remembering who we are, and, and as we do so, and as we heal our relationships with the whole world, it seems to me, and this is such a, a perfectly timed exploration, we can literally become, consciously become, the co-evolutionary partners of our entire universe and our planetary home Gaia. I mean, what an invitation is that? Mm. You know, come join us in this marvellous, ongoing, evolutionary way forward. And what that may mean, we do not know. But what an incredible invitation
1: to show up for and get out of the way of. I, I absolutely agree. I think there's some points to tease out, though, because... It's really interesting to use this word consciousness because it seems like what a lot of sort of Western culture, maybe other cultures believe, is that human beings have this like higher form of consciousness. That's why we can work together in the way that we can do. That's why we we have explored the frontiers, essentially, because of this consciousness. And yet we have gotten in our way exactly as you say these other creatures on the planet who seem to have less quote-unquote consciousness than we do appear to successfully co-create the ecosystems that they need and be function as parts of the ecosystems in order to survive so do we need to tease out then that kind of language when we're talking about consciousness when we're talking about thought how is that different Mm -hmm. from the consciousness and the thoughts that we pride that certainly, as part of global North culture, is driving the biosphere and life itself, therefore, mm. into incredibly dangerous territory.
0: Absolutely. Well, you know, consciousness is, is still a very challenging term to get a lot of consensus around. A good friend of mine, Professor Max Velman, sort of differentiates between mind and consciousness and mm. speaks of mind, whether it's cosmic mind, which is the grounding from which the awareness, as it were, of consciousness arises. So it's both mind and consciousness. And, you know, I talk about Gaia, our planetary home, as a a living, sentient, evolving uh, planet, as part of a living, sentient, evolving universe. And so for Gaia, it's not just her biological ecosystems, her biosphere, I talk about the whole of a geosphere, in other words, her mm-hmm. geosphere of her rocks and minerals, her hydrosphere of her waters, her atmosphere, her air, as well as her biosphere, because they all act together. They've been working together as her overall planetary sentience for over four billion years. Even before our planetary system came into being, In interstellar, in the interstellar cloud of dust and gas that we were born from, our sun and our entire planetary system were born from the very, the building blocks, the basic building blocks of biological organisms were already gestating. We sometimes call these clouds birthing clouds because that's exactly what they are. They birth planetary systems. But of course, that level of complexity. Was unable to go any further without a planetary home and vitally a watery planetary home, uh, in what's called the Goldilocks zone. In other words, not too hot, not too cold to be able to then support and nurture ongoing complexity. So, you know, this intelligence has been innate in the entire universe from its most, from its first moment to now and beyond, from its initial simplicity to its complexity and beyond, but it's the basic stuff of reality. So the sentience, the self-awareness does vary, but the underlying mindfulness is, is innate and, and whole for our entire universe. But we are microcosmic co-creators because we are self-aware and we can have this conversation. But you know, we now know that trees have what twenty at least sensors. Physical, mm. we have five. We now know that slime molds are incredibly intelligent without any sort of, of of brain or nervous system. You know, there's far more sentience in that apparent simplicity. But the overall the overall awareness and intelligence of Gaia is is I feel what we're as we come into this understanding. This is what we can learn from. This is what we can be guided for. How has Gaia managed over those billions of years to sustain all life, not just biological life, but her integrity and her evolutionary progress, you know, as part of an evolutionary universe? That's what we're, if we answer this invitation, this is the party we join. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Do we not have to understand how it is that we, we as a species, or certainly subcultures of that species, went so wrong? We, we have like that self-awareness sort of created a sort of a, yeah, an yeah. obsession of self, perhaps that 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 we lost sight Doesn't of the think. bigger whole. Could could you speak to that?
0: Yeah, actually, I've just written. Again, synchronicities, synchronicities are wonderful, hmm. aren't they? <laughs> I've literally just written. Um, a chapter for a book that's hopefully coming out later this year on our conscious revolution Mm. of whole being and belonging. And I talk about two and a half thousand years ago, because two and a half thousand years ago was the initiate, the inception, the beginning of what's been called the axial age and around a sort of 500 year band around that two and a half thousand year old uh, initiation. Was a a huge number of of philosophers, spiritual teachers came forward, whether it was in Greece, whether it was the sort of Christianity, Islam, uh, Judaism, uh, Zoroasterism, Hinduism, Buddhism, you know, Mm. institutionalized religions and also philosophical insights of this so-called Axial Age. And the emphasis moved from communal based belonging really and a web of life belonging which indigenous teachings still show us to a more individuated expression but that journey which has continued till now certainly over the last few hundred years has accelerated in its um, support of individuation and the more individual we think we think we are the more separate we become. And mm. it's not going wrong, it seems to me. It's just been part of our evolutionary progress because from community as a wave then into more individuality, but now we cannot. It, that level, that extreme level of individuation is, has now become unsustainable because it has separated us from ourselves, each other, our planetary home, the whole world. And yet, isn't it also incredible that just at that moment that we can't go on as we have been, all the science is showing us an unfolding of a whole world view. And you, Mm -hmm. you know, 10 years ago, that ayahuasca experience you might not have even heard of, let alone have available to you. So, so much now is coming into the levels of, of of invited awareness, as it were, we're almost being we're almost being you know shaken up from a from a dream that's become that's become a nightmare, and that's yeah. no longer sustainable. But I wouldn't say it was wrong. I would say we're where mm. we are. So let's take the best of that right. journey until now. And as we wake up to literally remember we're inseparable. What then does that mean when it's not about uniformity? It is now, it is still unity and diversity. So that individuation, that uniqueness of every one of us, it seems to me we're being invited to expand that, to keep that, not to lose it, but to expand beyond it, to include the we and to include the all. So it's not been a wasted journey, I don't feel. It's not been a wrong journey, but it's a journey that of that chapter of it, as it were, can now come to an end and needs to come to an end because we cannot go on as we have been.
1: Do you mean expand the uniqueness of the individual to understand the uniqueness of the we and the all? Like, What, what does that next step look yeah, like? Yeah. How do we become these stewards? Because I feel like this is where we're leading to, right?
0: Very much so, yeah. We are unique. I mean, every one of the nearly 8 billion people walking this planet is, is a unique microcosm of Gaia and of the and of, of our universe. And yet there are, we have such enormous levels of commonality. I mean, if we look at our DNA, for example, there's more variation in the DNA of a family of chimpanzees on a hillside in Rwanda than there is across the whole of our human family. So there is an enormous commonality of we. And yet within the we-ness, we still retain our uniqueness. So it's the me and the we and the all. So when I co founded Whole World View in 2017, our growing community were really tuning into, you know, what, what, how can we serve best this, this progressive understanding to understand and experience, and embody this unitive awareness. And we came up with a line that talks of act local, feel global, think cosmic. So the act local in a way is the me, the feel global is the we, and the think cosmic is the all. But of course they interplay and dance together and, you know, different different levels and, and within all mm-hmm. of that wonderful complexity. But that's the point. It is the me and the we and the all. That that really is is really this this you know this sense of this this abundance of this unitive rooting into this deeper understanding of the nature of, of reality.
1: Hmm. Beautiful, how wonderful! Uh, right, and so I wonder then where to act local, to feel global, to think cosmic. Do you have a vision for what that kind of unified expression of an experience with the Gaia Sphere might look like?
0: (laughs) I'm giggling because this, again, is part of the chapter I've just written. And I basically (laughs) said, you know, at the beginning of the Axial Age, two and a half thousand years ago, I don't think anyone at that time, you know, the great spiritual teachers, the great philosophers could have known how that would unfold over this next two and a half thousand years. You know, we don't, you know, even over the last few years. And so the future is in that sense essentially unknowable in its specifics, it's innately enigmatic. So rather than say, what will it look like? How's it going to be? Because in a sense, When we do that, we impose the limitations of our current perspectives, Mm. you know, Mm. imagination. So when people look to the future, it looks pretty much like it is now in the sense of it might be more technological, it might have more AI, it might have this, it might have that, whatever. There's so many ways, you know, it could pan out. But the point I was making the chapter and and to share now is that for me, it's it's about a coming potentially the coming of a a new and unitive age. So founded on this understanding, experience, embodiment of unity in diversity. But rather than try and and forecast specifics, which I I do feel are inevitably unknowable, it's rather more like, okay, what if this is now our worldview? Mm -hmm. What then does it mean in how we behave? What are the values we embody? you know um and therefore how do we behave and some of the behaviors i talk about for example i mean the values are such as reciprocity uh inclusion uh the, the golden rule you know um are you know they're very they're the golden rule it's it's the name given to the principle of treat others and our planetary home as you would wish to be treated And you find it in the the fundamental teachings across all wisdom teachings and, and religions and spiritual practices. So it, but it's doing it. It's not just aspiring to it. It's living with that. Um, so I've been writing more and more about, you know, what would it mean in terms of those values that are natural from a unitive awareness? And also the behaviors that are natural, because, you know, conflicts, injustices, um, exploitations, as you were saying earlier, are all natural behaviors of a worldview of separation, mm. and materialism, trust, mm. and behaviors of justice and inclusion and fair, fairness and equality of opportunity. Mm are the natural behaviors and what does that mean then in the way we organize ourselves what does that mean in our in how we educate our children and how we educate ourselves for lifelong learning what does it mean in the basis of of what i call a unitive economics that serves people and planet rather than a monetary system a capitalist system that destroys the planet's abundance what would a unitive Mm. really fundamental unitive economics an energy flow system look like and that's coming forward because more Mm. and more people are realizing the the level of of change we need but in terms of how that unfolds it's rather like the beginning of the axial age you know what might unfold from that i don't know but i do feel very much that if we live from this perspective Mm. we can become servant leaders we can become soul models of its of its understanding we can attune with and Mm. align with and serve you know the evolutionary impulse of the whole universe flowing through us because that is
1: exactly what is happening Mm, mm -hmm. i think it's so important in what you're saying as well, this idea of betweenness, this is why I've been doing a lot of writing on. And there is this expectation, I think, because of the way that we see the world, this very fixed and rigid way, as if our human systems mapped onto our Earth systems have kind of captured the world in, in a snapshot, and that is the only way it could ever be. And yet we are only ever between. And so there is this exactly. expectation, I think, in the narrative of like sort of this utopian vision to appear fully formed as if from nothing. And only at that moment will we have arrived or will we have achieved. But actually, it is the possibility, the potentiality of the betweenness of two things, of the, the relationship yes. between electrons, of molecules, of, on a quantum level, of between people, between systems. It is that space. It is that uncertainty in which everything becomes yeah possible and therefore likely and even I I write about this so much in my in my newsletter. The etymology of the word to become to become is to move towards. That's it. It is not That's to simply it. spring into being, it is to move towards.
0: Exactly. And and when we attune and align with that and serve that impulse then it's that ongoing journey of discovery, of curiosity, of co-creativity. And from mm. that unitive awareness, you know, to link up and lift up together, realizing that, you know, it's all of us that can, can, you know, take part in this. It really is a collective moment of choice, personal and yeah. collective moment of choice. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and absolutely. it's emergent,
0: as you say. It's not being written. It's not being written, so it's an emergent process of continually becoming. You know, where that mm-hmm. becoming mm-hmm. is never grasped. <laughs> it's the in betweenness mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and a lot of mm-hmm. unknowingness. So, you know, what is our next best step? What is our what is the right? What do we feel in our hearts yeah. that is the next best thing mm-hmm. we can do? Mm -hmm. personally and together and that's Mm -hmm. it we don't need to see we can't see a mile a year down the road Mm -hmm. you know we can see here and we can see now and we can in this understanding and experiential perception serve you know with our soul's calling what is ours to do
1: absolutely so before we get into the Indigenous uh, wisdoms, which I would love to learn more of from you and how they relate exactly to everything you've been saying, I suppose I think now is a good moment to say, for anybody listening to this that might feel compelled to to do something, uh, to, to try, to, to want to experience this, what are some practices uh, that people can participate in? How How can people begin to update their worldview, shift it, dare to to undo the visions that we have been handed down and are now sort of decaying in front of us?
0: Well I think it, it it's certain a number of levels. I mean one level is understanding and and there's so much information now that's coming forward in terms of what you know I'm sharing now. Um if people would like to go to uh, the website that that I'm part of www.wholeworld-view.org, there's a lot of resources there, but there are many others out there. So just to the extent that someone wants to have that more depth of understanding, but it's rather like a car, you know, some people want to know how to build the car. Some people want to, you know, know how, how the engine's done. Some people just want to be able to drive it. Some people just want to be in it and know that the wheels aren't going to come off. So it's that mm-hmm. level, but I would say all that we're sharing today is this, is this direction of travel of this homecoming of wholeness. But then there is the experience of it and you are sharing your story of your ayahuasca experience, but there are many, 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 many ways into this ongoing journey. And it, it that was a wonderful revelatory experience for you, but it can mm-hmm. be, it can be a 10 temp- be 10,000 tiny little steps but experience mm-hmm. something whether it might be meditation or yoga mm-hmm. um I have revelations when I dance to Abba um but you know <laughs> it's whatever it's whatever works. There's some people I mean I love I mean I love gardening because the miracle mm. of a pea shoot when you really appreciate and sense that That brings me so close to Gaia's wisdom that I, I just love it. And so it's whatever, but do it, do it often. Don't sort of, sort of save up for a day Mm -hmm. of that experience. Do it every day, whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it may be, whatever makes your heart sing. If it's a chore, it's not for you. If it's a chore, if it doesn't make your heart sing, if you don't
1: feel nurtured. I uh, whatever that experience is, don't do yeah. it. It's something else will come for you. Yeah. I have always had incredible experiences in the mountains going for hikes. I think my first real sort of transcendental nah! moment was on the Camino de Santiago. And I had a very similar thing, uh, hiking Le Santé Catar in France by myself as well. Just that being... Uh, being either, so, so the Camino was surrounded by incredible people, the most loving people I've ever encountered in my life. Being around that much spirit, I mean, you just can't help but be moved. And then the Santé Catar being alone in the mountains and the beauty and the the majesty of it, again, cannot help but be moved. So I really agree with what you're saying. Find, find your thing and do it as often as you can um, and get close, get close to it. I'm likely to forget if I don't mention it. another synchronicity, because
0: synchronicities mm-hmm. are such amazing ways us for us. I was at Santiago three weeks ago. So I was uh, at Santiago to Compostela three weeks ago. <laughs> oh, so I just talk about the Camino and Santiago. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Oh, amazing! I loved oh. it. I had such a wonderful, amazing experience. Um. Yeah, I have to be careful. Otherwise, I will just go off and talk about that. I would highly anybody who's listening who's thinking about doing it, please go and do it. It'll be the best thing you ever do. Um, let's get into some of these indigenous wisdoms. So, something that we are seeing on the climate stage at the moment is um, Western oh, leaders yeah. inviting or Western activists inviting these indigenous leaders onto stage to give their wisdom, their their cultural wisdom. Now, there's lots of different ways of thinking about this. There is sort of the problematic sense of like offsetting responsibility onto cultures who have been exploited. There's the romanticization as well um, of different cultural modes of being, some which might not be globally applicable in a sense. And there's also the picking and choosing. So I had a fascinating conversation at COP26 I was with... um, an indigenous uh, leader from Malaysia and a Papua New Guinean politician who's also indigenous. And they were like cackling away about um, how sort of the West perceives indigenous wisdom. And they were like, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't get me wrong. You know, we really, we see the world far better than you do, but there is still there's, there's still violence. You know, there is still violence and there is still death and there are still these things in our culture that uh, we we are still figuring out, you know, and so this kind of grasping by your culture to ours to kind of like fix, fix the world is, is misleading and misunderstanding really of what the problem is, is, that we all need to learn to sort of live together and live, and live with the environment. Um, so I would love to get some of your expertise and what you've learned um, through that and through your lens of being a Western person as well, coming into these teachings.
0: Yeah, I loved what you said about the variety of perspectives because I I do feel there is and and again it's not it's dynamic. It's emerging, it's changing. I mean, I've been in circumstances, I mean I've journeyed to more than eighty countries and worked with, you know, wisdom teachers of many traditions, some of whom would describe themselves as indigenous, some who might not. But my perspective has come to be that we're all indigenous. We all Mm. come from somewhere. All indigenous to Planet Earth. Yeah. And really, that's the deepest healing we can have. It's just that the difference, it seems to me, of what we might call Western worldview is that certainly, as we were saying earlier, it's moved more and more into this individuation as part of the journey. So I'm not going to judge it. Um, but it has involved that sense of separation from our planetary home as a, as a, as a mother, as a nurturing mother that without whom we we do not have life. Um, and of course, the indigenous teachings have continued with all their challenges um, to maintain and understand and hold the wisdom for us um, mm. of Pachamama. Yeah. Um, but much more than that, of a web of life that extends again, as we were saying, far beyond the sense of biological organisms, um, the, the thing though that, that I agree. I, so I would just say that, but I'd also say that, you know, the indigenous communities that I've worked with have been through some pretty challenging times themselves. Yeah. And that itself has been traumatic and not all of that trauma has been released. And there are very few indigenous communities that I've been with who have not had some of that, that their, their own journey of healing is part of. Mm. So. The the lesson that I take is the lesson that was given that it is time for the tribes to come together. Hmm. The yellow, the red, yes, the white, the black, the brown, all the tribes of the human family to come together because we can learn from each other. And I think what's happened is there's been a shift whereby it's been the, oh, nothing, there's nothing that indigenous teachings can teach us or nothing that indigenous wisdom teaches, because we move way beyond that, to, oh my goodness me, go the other way. We've lost our way or whatever it is, and therefore we now need indig- indigenous teachers. I don't think it's an either or. I think it's a both and. Mm. How how do we bring, mm. how do we link up and lift to bring the best of, of all of our experiences and, and insights and wisdom? Realize that we don't know far more than we think we know, which again is a really, you know, fundamental tenet of indigenous teachings, but come together in this potential to consciously evolve. Because we, in my view, if we don't do that as a species, that's not our evolutionary arc. We'll splinter, we'll fragment, and whatever else happens, happens. But this is our opportunity. This is our moment of choice. So it's not an either or, or you have all the wisdom mm. and we don't, and oh, we've turned it, and now we have and you don't. It's, there's wisdom. There is wisdom, profound wisdom to share. Um, If we offer ourselves the opportunity to learn from, not just from each other, but to learn from Gaia. I mean, she's, she's our biggest teacher, seems to me.
1: <laughs> I completely agree with you. I feel like that is such an uplifting and important, actually, message to end on. Um, And so that's where we should come to a close, unless you have anything that you would like to add, Jude.
0: Nothing to add, just, not just, but gratitude. Gratitude for our conversation, our exploration, and gratitude that it seems to me, you know, we talk about an idea whose time has come. This is the time whose idea has come. And it's not an idea, it's our existential nature it's our existential yeah. reality that we are inseparable unique wondrously diverse thanks to the abundance of, of our entire universe and Gaia but this is our moment of choice and what a wonderful invitational, empowering choice it is
1: thank you so much how beautiful my final question for you is who would you like to platform
0: I would like to platform someone called Anna Luce Smitsman. And Anna Luce is the founder or co-founder of something called Earthwise. And she is a wonderful person, a wonderful teacher and a great pioneer of this emergent whole worldview and and the understanding of, of unity and unity and diversity and what that means in terms of how we can come together to transform and heal our world. Wonderful.
1: Jude, this has been just extraordinary and moving and wonderful. Thank you so much for your time.
0: Bless you, my dear,
1: and thank you. Thank you so much. If you want to read Jude's book, I've put links to the story of Gaia over on planetcritical.com, where you can subscribe to support this podcast and read the weekly essays inspired by each interview. If you liked this episode, leave a review and share it far and wide. If you loved it, support the project with a paid subscription at planetcritical.com. As always, thank you to the Planet Critical community who support the show and make all of this work possible. Thank you all for listening. See you next week.